Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to Girl on Fire podcast on the Believe Network, New York's number one podcast network for personal growth. This is your host, Kirsten Franklin, and on this week's show, All right, guys, welcome this week. She's a doctor of physical therapy and a licensed physical therapist who's an international speaker and owner of her own private practice right here in New York City. Dr. Litzy herself once struggled with chronic pain, which ultimately led her to create her business. While her physical therapy practice is thriving, she's also developed a coaching business to help her fellow healthcare professionals on how to create and expand their own business. She's the host of Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart, a top 200 Apple podcast, and she's spoken internationally everywhere from Columbia University to the University of Colorado in Denver and the International Olympic Committee World Conference on the Prevention of Injury and Illness in Sports out in Monaco. She's been featured in Time Magazine, The Washington Post, Well and Good, Women's Running, Martha Stewart Living, and so much more. Please welcome my fellow New Yorker, Dr. Karen Litzy. Welcome, Karen. Thank you so much, Kirsten. I'm so happy to be here. Awesome. And I'm so happy to have you here. So it's awesome to always have another fellow coach on who also helps other businesses thrive. Um, but first, let's start here. First of all, what, what is physical therapy for those who do not understand? Oh my gosh. Thanks so much for asking that question. So physical therapy is the science of movement for lack of better way of putting it. So we are sort of movement experts and movement professionals. So what we learn is everything that the body can do from a cellular level, right on out to running, jumping, sprinting, all sorts of things. And uh, physical therapy is also a really broad Um, profession, meaning there are physical therapists who work in acute care, who are right now on the front lines of COVID, helping COVID patients in the ICU, to nursing homes, to school systems, professional sports teams, your traditional outpatient therapy, which a lot of people might be familiar with, um, to home health, pediatrics, geriatrics, oncology. So it's really a wide, uh, a, a broad section of people can benefit from physical therapy. So tell me a little bit about how it works, because I know that you have personally been involved uh, with respect to chronic pain, right? So what is chronic pain and how does physical therapy work in alleviating or helping someone with chronic pain? Right. So chronic pain or persistent pain is usually defined as pain that is lasting longer than three months in duration. And So first I'll take it back to what, what is acute pain? So, you know, you fall, you sprain your ankle, a signal comes up from your foot, sort of a danger signal, if you will. There's no such thing as a pain signal or a pain pathway. So a danger signal will travel up into your spinal cord and it can get dialed up or dialed down in the spinal cord. And then it moves up into your brain and your brain decides very quickly, how dangerous is this really? And if it's dangerous enough, you'll have pain because what pain is there for it's, it's a, it's primitive and it's there to keep us alive, right? If our appendix is about to burst, we want to know about it. So we have pain, right? If we're having a heart attack, we want to know about it. So we have pain. If we broke a foot or a a wrist or an elbow or whatever it may be, we want to know about it. So we don't do anything silly or stupid to make things worse. So pain is there essentially to protect us. What happens with chronic pain is you, that, um, 
it usually starts with maybe an acute episode or an onset of pain. And what happens is our nervous system dials up. So, you know, if you think about the dial on um, a radio in your car or an old fashioned radio, no one has radios anymore, but you get the idea. So the dial is turned up and it makes your nervous system a little more sensitive. So with chronic pain, what happens is that dial is kind of always turned up Mm -hmm. and it's never really turned back down again. And so things that I I have a history of chronic uh, neck pain. So things that might be painful to me or danger, that danger signal to me to maybe spark pain in my neck for you might just be another Monday. Right. Because my nervous system is buzzing at uh, higher than yours. So your nervous system is a little more sensitive. So when things are more sensitive, it doesn't take as much to set it off. Got it. And so what happens is you do have these changes in the brain and within your system that the brain gets really good at creating pain because it's the, all those neurons are firing together within the brain. And then it's a lot easier to have pain with less of a stimulus. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I love something because you know what, on this show, we talk a lot about mindset, right? And we talk about how sort of the brain functions, you know, neurologically, but also how it functions within its thoughts and its process, right? And so it's interesting because I love that you said it, like that pain is actually there to protect you in the same way that the pain of trying to do something, and you should understand this obviously with building businesses, where you get trapped in the inability to take that next action because you don't know what's going to happen. And your brain automatically goes to that place of, well, we don't know the answer. We don't know the result. Therefore, maybe we shouldn't do it because we need to protect ourselves. And that's really the function of the brain. It's literally trying to save your life, right? So it's interesting how it works, not just in the physical aspect, but the mental aspect as well. Yeah. And from a a medical standpoint, we would call that fear avoidance. So that's, oh, I can't do that. It's going to hurt my neck. Oh, I can't do that. It's going to hurt my back. Well, you can put that into business terms of, oh, I can't do that because I might fail, or I can't do that because I'm not ready. And so we avoid these things that we're fearful of. And in the pain world, research has shown that fear avoidance can actually increase pain. Mm. So if you put it to the business world and you have fear avoidance in the business world, it, maybe that's increasing your uh, complexity within your own business, or it's increasing yeah. the pain for you to run your business. So there are a lot of parallels because like you said, the brain is, is the, the control system or the control ship for everything. Yeah. 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 So let me ask you this. I mean, that's, that's gotta be kind of crazy. And you having experiences, you know, within yourself, you know, chronic pain, untreated, unalleviated, you know, what do you typically see or what have you experienced that kind of goes on for you, like mentally, emotionally, physically, like what happens to the person who suffers from it? Well, I mean, I can't speak to, to the, to the wide public, but I can say that when people have chronic pain, it is associated with depression. It is associated Mm. certainly with fatigue, um, and lack of motivation. Um, so I can say for myself that when I would have, when my pain was really, really high. So my pain fluctuated, it was kind of always there, but sometimes it would be a 10 or a 12 out of 10. And other days it might be a one or a two out of 10, but there was always pain there, but it did, it kind of, I guess for me, it made me feel like why bother trying to do something? Cause I'll probably Mm. have pain anyway. 
Uh or, you know, I don't want to get into this relationship because I'm going to be such a burden. Right. I I always have pain. Right. So it really sort of walled me off from, from relationships, personal relationships, business, because I always felt like, ah, but what if I have a couple of days where I feel like I can't move or I'm in Mm. so much pain and I can't concentrate and I don't want to put that onto someone else. Right. Um, And I think that's something, and that is certainly something that I've heard from patients as well is they feel like they're too, it's all too much for other people. When in fact, when you tell people that most people just want to help. Yeah. And most people will say, it's totally fine. I'm happy to help. Or we're happy to pick up the slack here and there. Or if you need to rest, we're happy to step in. And so what I found is when I, uh, now, of course, looking back, um, I really wish that I was more vocal about asking for help. And I think when you have chronic pain, sometimes it can be a little defeatist and you're not really asking for help. And you're always kind of searching for a quick fix. Mm. When in fact, when it comes to chronic pain, it's not like it goes away in a day. At least I've never seen that happen. Right. Um, and that you you can't be looking for the quick fix from the outside. You really have to look from the inside and start to gain more confidence in your body, in how you move and in what you can do. And sort of look at those tasks that you would normally avoid. We talked about fear avoidance before and start adding those in little by little, mm-hmm. adding back those parts of your life. And then you get the confidence in your body and in your tissues. And then you can start loading those tissues, getting stronger, lifting weights, running, whatever it is that you decide to do to load those tissues. But what signals you're sending up to the brain? Yeah, maybe it's still a danger signal that's going from if you have chronic knee pain or in my case, neck pain going up to my brain. But the brain's like, "Eh, we did this the other day. You're all right. Right, right. New neural pathways, right, right. So instead of that danger signal coming up into the brain and causing this, uh uh-oh, pain, 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 don't move, it's, you're all right. You did this last week. It's safe. Proceed. I love it. I love it because it's the same in business, right? So I work a lot with um, people who might be starting businesses that require cold calling. That, of course, is always like a traumatic experience, right? Like, oh, my God, I can't pick up the phone, right? And for the most part, it's like, just do it. And after even just a few days, it's so much easier, right? And so that's interesting. That's interesting. So tell me a little bit about how your experience with chronic pain sort of pushed you into this world or led you into this world of physical therapy and creating your own business. Yeah. So um, I was already a physical therapist when uh, my pain started and I was working in several outpatient clinics and I the pain was intense on most days. And I had the opportunity to work part-time with some friends of mine. And I felt, you know, I think working part-time and seeing some of my patients, I do, I have like a concierge practice here in New York city. So I see patients in their homes or gyms. And what was happening was I was working full-time and seeing my patients on the side. And it was all so much that I wasn't giving myself the time I needed to take care of myself. Mm. So like we said, the nervous system, the dial turned up and buzzing really high. I was always buzzing really high. Mm. And so friends of mine had, I had the opportunity to work part-time for some friends. So I did that and then started slowly building up my practice on the side. And that was such a better fit for me because I didn't feel like the amount of stress and pressure that I did working full-time. 
So just that little release of stress helped to turn the dial down a little bit on my neck pain because stress can certainly Mm -hmm. increase pain. We all, everybody can probably relate to that. Um, And so what I did was I started working 20 hours a week and inched up my, my private caseload and then 16 hours and then 12 hours and then eight hours. And I feel like I clung on to that eight hours for such a, a long time, probably, probably too long. And then finally I just said, all right, I looked at the numbers. I did some math and said, I can do this. I can go out on my own. And that's right, why, that's what I did. So, cause you know, you work in New York city, it's different than I'm from outside of Scranton, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. It's different. Yeah. The, the style of living is different. And so in New York, like you need to have that security. You can't just say, I'm going to start my own practice. And if I only see a couple of patients a week, I'll be fine. Right. No. Right. <laughs> you still have to pay your rent and pay your yep. bills. New York's quite expensive. And so I felt for me, the best decision was to kind of, you know, weigh my uh, workload, weigh my caseload. Yeah. And then once I did the math, I'm very analytical. So once I did the math and saw the numbers, I said, okay, I can confidently do this. Yeah. And I think that's kind of awesome because it's a lesson to people, you know, look, Everybody out here, including myself, including yourself, we all have our different ways of doing things, of teaching things. You know, people will say, oh, you got to burn the boat, quit your job, do the thing. That's actually good and true for some people, but not everyone, right? Um, and I love how you eased into it because that's something that I'll tell a lot of people who are trying to do real estate on the side, right? Everyone's talking about real estate, real estate. Well, actually, if you could dedicate five hours a week, have a steady job, and actually fund the process, you're kind of much better off. Um, you know, but we get this mentality from all the things thrown at us via social media and the media, like, oh, we're losers if we work for someone else. I'm like, no, you're not. I mean, my whole company's built with people working for someone else. That would be me, right? Like, no, and they're not building my dreams because we're building their dreams as we build my dreams. And I understand that five, 10 years from now, they might not be in my company, but I'm okay with that, right? So it's it's just funny how we see all these influences, but I'm really glad that you were able to, to sort of ease out. And what a great thing, because with the PT practice, that is one of those things where you can do that because you do have, you know, certain dedicated hours or certain people need you here and there. And so that's, that's kind of awesome. Let me ask you this though, with starting your own practice, Um, What do you think your biggest challenge was back then? I think the biggest challenge I had when I first started my practice was not consulting with a good lawyer. Mm. You know, because again, I would hear from friends, oh, you don't need a lawyer to incorporate, or you could just have your accountant do it, or you could do it yourself. It's really easy and you can save some money. Oh my goodness. No, (laughs) it's just a no. So I always tell people like, if you want to start a business, especially a physical therapy practice, because Um, We are licensed by the state we live in. There Uh are certain guidelines you have to follow. And so to have a good lawyer that works with physical therapists or other healthcare providers is so vitally important. They can make sure you're incorporated the right way first so you don't make mistakes and have to pay money later. Uh They can make sure all of your paperwork is airtight so you don't make mistakes later. Uh Um, And so I think that was my biggest... Uh, regret was not hiring on a really good lawyer. That should have been step number one. Yeah. I think a lot of people are afraid of lawyers because one, they're going to be so expensive Two, You hear these horror stories, right? And, and having been one, I totally get that, but there are some things you just don't mess around with. Right. 
Um, Absolutely. And especially if you're licensed by the state in anything, like I was licensed, you know, as an attorney by, by multiple states, I'm licensed right now as a life insurance agent. Like there are just things you just pay because the bottom line is you're going to end up paying way more later at the worst possible time. And you don't want your whole company to collapse because of a piece of paper, a piece of freaking paper, Absolutely. right? Or yeah. you didn't publish right. And now, again, every state is different. Like, it's very easy to start companies in the state of Florida. You go on sunbiz.org and bam, you have some kind of company. That doesn't excuse certain things from needing to happen, um, depending on your field. And here in New York, to create any corporation, there's a publication requirement. There's this, there's that. You know what? For the $500,000, $700,000, dude, pay the person. It's going to be so much more if you don't. And because it's pre your ENO insurance, it might not be covered. So think about that one too. Um, just saying, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, let me ask you this. What, what do you think your biggest challenge today is currently in running your own private practice? And we're not speaking, we'll speak soon about all the other things you do, but just thinking about your private practice. Yeah. I think for me, my biggest challenge is uh, expansion. So, you know, my goal is to expand and to hire on more physical therapists, whether that be a full-time basis or as an independent contractor. And so my biggest challenge is how can I do this in a way that is, that will help me and help the incoming physical therapist. And I love what you said before, like, yeah, people work for me now. doesn't mean they're gonna work for me for 10 years from now. Um, but my goal is like, if I hire someone on to work with me, mm-hmm. then my goal would be in a couple of years, start your own practice, move on into your own practice, learn, and then move on. Right. You know? And so I, and that is for me, I just have to figure out how to do that in a way that makes sense for everyone. I have an idea. Yes. I'll take it. <laughs> what if you were to follow a quasi franchise type model? right? Where your independent contractors, you actually help them build their business. And over time, they're ultimately just giving you a percentage and that that percentage lessens over time, right? Because now they're fully sustainable and you're teaching them the model that you took. It's business in a box. They're literally paying to join you. You're showing them this model. You're helping them in this moment, cover clients, right? Learn how to do all that, then learn how to market to get their own clients and at some point, they're self-sustaining, and they're owing you like a really small percentage. Now you have residual income. They have the business of their dreams that's kind of all associated. Maybe you don't have associated. Maybe they have their own name, but the behind the scenes is so, or maybe you're actually building your brand as well, um, which could or could not turn off some people who are really wanting to do their own thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that was just an idea, just a thought. Um, make it nice I, and easy. I have written it down with a little star by it. <laughs> Thank you. I'm thank like, you. Make things nice and easy for you. Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, like, look, if you have your written plan on how you built everything and how it is successful and how it is scalable, that's easy, man. I would buy that. I'd buy that. It's business in a box right there, right? It's like, right, right. I guarantee you're going to have these results. I had them. Just do. Now, there's there's the big hard part is finding the people that are willing to just do what you say, right? Right, right. That's, <laughs> Fun and that's the hard part. Like, it's, for me, you know, it's more than just being a good, competent physical therapist, but it's, Mm. what is your personality like? Are you driven? Do you want to go out and find patients and help to market and do all this fun stuff? Or do you want to just sit back and have patients given to you? And both are fine. Yeah. 
you know, but they're actually different people. That brings me to another thought. <laughs> I work with so many companies, right? We all have always. Uh-huh. Have. What if you were to also think of a quasi franchise esque model? I'm not calling it a franchise, right? First of all, it's medical. Second of all, you know, that would require a whole bunch of other legal hoops that are not fun at all. Um, But if you were to offer the centralized marketing, so you obviously are skilled at building a business. And so if you built a subsect of your business that solely focused on marketing, then these people that didn't have an interest in that would just pay your services, right? The marketing services, and they can go out and do their things. The the people that didn't want to do other things, maybe they'll just come back in and, and pay your core process to go do it for them and multiply that. And that's easily scalable. You have those teams. Yeah. yeah. Nice and fun. All right. Anyway, moving on to the point of this interview. (laughs) No, I'm loving this. This is great. (laughs) Yeah. So like, I'm really big on processes. So, I mean, what is your process that you have developed over time in overcoming challenges? Like the challenge when you first started your business, challenges that you see your clients face, like there's, there's a certain process that must go on upstairs. So what has been your process to overcome, you know, the challenges you faced in business? Yeah. I mean, I think the, the one thing that I've set up, and this was on advice of a colleague many, many years ago is having like a informal board of advisors where it's three, three or four people that I can go to with business-related questions, and they can give me honest, constructive feedback. Mm-hmm. And what I do is I kind of take that feedback, and like I said, I like to write things down, and I like to you know, look at things on, on paper. And so I write everything down, and then I kind of construct a plan for what I'd like to accomplish for the year. Yeah. And then within that year, I'll break it down into uh, maybe three month or quarterly challenges for myself. So I'm a person who really thrives off a challenge. Mm-hmm. So I will say, well, this is my challenge for the next three months. And what do I have to do to meet it? So one of the challenges I gave myself this year was I'm going to uh, structure my podcast a little differently because my podcast is a big part of my business. It's it is how I do get patients from that podcast. Wow, I have great. sponsoring on that podcast, so it is a source of income. And so this year, I said, "Oh, I want to try something new. I'm just going to have themed months." Yeah. So each month is going to be around a central theme, and then at the end of that month, I'm going to have a, a roundtable talk with the guests from that central theme. Oh, I like that. With that. Yeah. With that round table talk, 20, 25 bucks, you know, very affordable, very easy for people. Uh, and so that was my challenge. Mm-hmm. And I just started it in March. Okay. And we had our first round table talk and it was really great. Got some wonderful feedback. Over a hundred people purchased it. Wow. Um, and that was all about running injuries and rehab. And then this month is all about cancer survivorship and on- oncology PT services. Um, and we'll do the same thing. We'll have a webinar at the end of the month. May is all about how to get on a TEDx stage and we'll have a roundtable talk at the end of the month. Um, and so I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to do this or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had the idea. I asked my board of advisors. They were like, yes, we love it. Here are some thoughts on how to do it. And then I just sort of batched everything out 
And I have to say, as a podcast host and producer creator, it's actually a lot easier yeah. to work in those themes because then I'm like, oh, I have everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's you have the content, here. you know what's going I on. Right. Content, I know what's going on. Now it looks like, yes, I can do these roundtable talks in one of the last days of each month. Oh, this is just, and it just sort of worked out that way, if I'm being honest. Yeah. So I think the stars aligned a little bit. But um, so that was one of the big challenges I wanted to get myself to do in court in the first quarter. And I just squeaked in by doing it in March. <laughs> That's so. awesome. Well, great minds think alike because it's so funny that I just did the same thing where I had in my, my group financial fitness month. Now I wrote down your thing about, Ooh, round table, get everyone together. So everyone can be in the same space, open Q and a that's amazing. Yeah. And um, that's what it was. It was like an open Q and a. So people listen to all the podcasts, right? And then it was just Q and a with these four amazing, you know, humans on this, on the virtual stage. Right. That's awesome. And I'm going to be joining you because I definitely want to understand the TEDx stage better. So I'm definitely going to be listening to that and hopping on that. Um, that's awesome. I love it. So, yeah. so here's, a, here's a question. What's one common myth that you would really like to debunk about your practice or physical therapy as a whole? Oh my gosh. Right. <laughs> I, I was thinking that I was like, just one. <laughs> oh, there are so many. Um, I think what I would like to debunk. Okay. This is one common myth about physical therapy in general. You need a doctor's prescription to see a physical therapist. False. Oh. In every state across the country, there is some form of direct access care, which means you can go directly to a physical therapist. We're in New York State. In New York, it can be for one month, so 30 days, or 10 visits. If you're not better, then your therapist will will refer you to uh, a, the appropriate physician. There have been times when people came to me, I saw that person once, and I said, okay, I'm going to do a good eval and then we're going to get you to the doctor, to the right doctor, right? So physical therapists are trained to be able to triage, to be able to pick up on red flags mm -hmm. and red flags can be uh, anything from suspected cancer to uh, fractures, things like that. Right. Um, but every state's a little different. So you have to check your state. Uh, you can call your local physical therapist if you feel like you strained a hamstring and you want to go see a PT and you don't want to be like, oh, I have to go see my doctor first. And it, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, I think, is that a myth that comes out of the fact that most of us go through our private insurance carriers? So we assume because you know how, depending on if you're an HMO, PPO, whatever, like, we kind of get funneled into this, go see your primary first, even if you know it's like wrong with you. <laughs> it's like, right, right. Now, that is, I'm glad you brought that up because depending on your insurance, your insurance may force you to go see someone first, right. which is totally ridiculous and makes no sense from the insurance side because the insurance ends up just paying more. Yeah. It's more expensive for the insurance company. It's more expensive for the, the patient to go to all these doctors first when they can just go to a physical therapy clinic and get evaluated. Yeah. And um, it, like I said, each state's a little different. Like in Texas, you can only go in for an evaluation, not a treatment. Mm -hmm. But then in other states like Nebraska, I think since 1952, you can go and you can see a physical therapist. You never have to go see the doctor. That's amazing. So, it, it, yeah. so it's a myth because physical therapists are part of the medical system. Right. But if you think about it, you can go and see a chiropractor, a massage therapist, a yoga instructor, or, or 
Pilates instructor and you don't need any prescription from your doctor, even if you're going to relieve your back pain or your neck pain, but to see a physical therapist, because we were traditionally wrapped up in that model, people think you need a prescription, but Mm. according to the law, you do not. That's awesome. That is something right there. I love that. All right. So let me ask you, uh, as a business owner, obviously the COVID-19 pandemic must have had an effect on your PT practice. What was your particular pivot? And then if you did see people in person, what, how did you make people feel safe? Right? Yeah. Great questions. So in the beginning in New York city, obviously we shut down it last March and opened up in June. I mean, if for anyone living in New York city, that's just the way it was. Right. So I was able to quickly pivot to telehealth where I was still able to see a good amount of my clients uh, one-on-one via telehealth visits. And to this day, I still do that, which is amazing. When I went back to seeing patients again, I just followed all the CDC guidelines on seeing on um, in-person treatments. So I, you know, left my shoes outside. I washed my hands immediately. I was single and then double masked. Um, I, if it wasn't, if I didn't need to be hands-on, I did sit, try and stay six feet away. The patient was also wearing a mask. And so that did keep everyone safe. Now I'm fully vaccinated. So that, uh, is definitely a big load off of me and my patients, um, So as vaccines start rolling out more and more, I think across the country, that will certainly make things easier for a lot of physical therapists. But, you know, really just following the rules, getting a COVID test uh, regularly, which I did. I just, as a matter of fact, had one this morning. (laughs) Fun times. Um, Fun times. So I just had a COVID test this morning, negative. Um, But those are some things that I did Uh, in patient interaction. And then from the business side of things, I did apply for and was granted a a PPP loan Mm. to help me get through a couple of months. And that loan was just forgiven, fully forgiven. Oh, wow. Great. That's awesome. That's something that I did uh, take advantage of when it was offered, I think in the second round of funding Mm. last year. So that was really helpful because it got me through uh, two of those months right? or three of those months almost. So Um, I was really happy that I applied for and got that loan. And then now that that loan was fully forgiven. So that's amazing. Good for you. Good for you. Now, being that you coach other practitioners who are also trying to build their own practice or, or business, um, what do you think they should know before they make the decision to start out on their own? Like, what would be some key things that they should be looking at? Yeah, I think the things that you want to be looking at, number one, who do you want to treat? Who are your ideal patient or patients? Do they exist where you live? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. You know, that's really important. Um, Are you going to take insurance or are you going to be a primarily out of network or private pay practice? Mm -hmm. Both are completely viable or you can combine them. If you live in an area that has a high concentration of Medicare beneficiaries, Take Medicare and be out of network for everything else. Easy peasy, right? If you live in an area where you're like, there's, I think in um, Bozeman, Montana, there are some insurances that are paying $150 a visit for physical therapy. Well, take that insurance. You'd be crazy (laughs) not to, right? You know, in New York, 
they pay like $40 a visit, makes it much, much harder. Mm. So know what is available in the area in which you want to practice. What are What is the population like? Is there a need, which I have to argue probably yes. Right. I was um, and and what kind, how do you want to structure your business? Do you want to take insurance? Do you want to combine? Or do you want to be just strictly out of network or private pay? All of which are fine and all of which are doable really wherever you decide to plant your roots. So those are the things that I really want people to start thinking about. And then uh, the second thing is wherever you're going to whether you're going to have, like I have a mobile practice, I go to patients' homes, um, or if you're going to have a traditional brick and mortar practice, get to know the people in your area. Mm. And I don't just mean the physicians. I mean, yoga instructors, acupuncturists, chiropractors, hairdressers, they're the best because everybody goes to them, especially if you're in like a, a smaller town, everybody goes to the hairdresser, get to know these people, you know, and, and not just like, hey, can you refer people to me? But hey, let's go COVID safe, of course, grab a coffee or a drink or something like that. Or I'd love to partner up with you, try and really create meaningful relationships because in my mind, that's marketing. Yeah. You know, marketing doesn't necessarily mean sending out flyers in the mail and things like that, but it really means creating meaningful relationships in your community and become part of your community so that people know you, they know your brand, they know that they know and trust you and like you. And, you know, we all know that that's when people will more likely want to spend their money and go to see you. So those are the things I always tell people like, and, and again, make a list of everyone in your area. Now we're in Manhattan, right? So of course it's, it makes things like, oh gosh, that's so daunting. How am I supposed to go out and meet people? Easy. Just yeah. look at, look down, down the block, block. <laughs> knock on a door. Like it does take, like you were saying, cold calling. It might be, you know, DMing someone on Instagram, like, hey, I saw you're also in New York. I would love to chat or I'm doing, we're doing similar things. Would love to team up with you on something, you know, but it is that putting yourself in those positions that might not be so super comfortable, but you have to reach out to people because they're probably not going to knock on your door while you're like watching Netflix or something. Yeah. I mean, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, And it's interesting because it really is all about networking. Um, even the manner in which I have you on this show, right? It's like we're, we're out hunting down people. We're out trying to find who do we, who do we like what they're doing? What are they talking about? We go into your stuff. We're trying to find, right. And then after all the research, which might turn into no, no response ever, we then reach out like, yeah. Hey, we saw this about you and we're really interested in talking about this. Right. And it, it, it is, it is a skill set that everyone can develop and should develop. It makes all the difference. Absolutely. Totally. Um, what's your number one piece of advice for those who are cash-based practitioners? Um, if you're a cash-based practitioner, know how to price your services accordingly. Mm. And, you know, cause you don't like, if I, for example, was living outside of Scranton, I wouldn't price my physical therapy services for $300 a visit. Right. Because it just doesn't fit, fit the market, with the market, yeah. right? So know how to price your services. And that might be an individual service. You may bundle your services mm-hmm. and, and also know how to diversify. So when you're a cash-based practice, 
it's it can be a little more challenging because people want to use their insurance. Like you said before, where physical therapy is so tied into that medical and insurance uh, system. And so what can what can you offer that might go above and beyond that might take the road less traveled? What are some things that you can say that you do that no one else does? Right. Will you go to your patient's physician visits with them? You know, will you, you know, something like that. So think of things that you can do that no one else can, or that makes you unique. Um, a, a mentor of mine is named Sturdy McKee. He said, try and be the flamingo in the sea of penguins. I love you that. Know? So try, try not, don't look around and see what everyone else is doing and do exactly that. Get inspiration from people and then infuse your personality and what you do and who you are into your practice. Because those clients who want exactly what you need will find you if yeah. you're in the right channels and putting the right things out there. Yeah. So I would say definitely know how to price your product mm-hmm. and your product, maybe physical therapy, maybe it's personal training, maybe it's pre and postnatal classes, maybe it's lectures. You know, there are a lot of different things that you can expand upon. Maybe it's meditation classes, maybe it's online, maybe it's in person, whatever it may be, but no uh, how you're going to price, know how and what you're going to price your services. And you can find that out. People always ask me, well, how do you know? I don't know what to price. Pick up the phone and call people in your your neighborhood. Hey, I'm thinking about coming in for this. Exactly. (laughs) Call a physical therapy office and say, Hey, I was just wondering what your cash rate was. Yeah. There you go. You call around enough, you get the average and, and then you price accordingly. Well, what I love about this conversation is that it's not just about physical therapists. It's really about everything that we've talked about here for everybody listening. If you've been on with me and you were on the business challenge with John Asaraf, if you, you know, listen to the stuff that I had with David Meltzer over at the, you know, Red Convention, all of these things she's kind of talking about here as one. You know, we talked about being the purple cow. We talked about finding that almost dumbass offer where people can't say no because you in the sea of competition, you have so much more and different and better, right? And we talk about this, like I'm a freaking life and business coach. We're like a dime a dozen. Why do people come and pay me $50,000 to talk to me? Well, because I've positioned myself. That doesn't mean I'm better than the $300 an hour guy. That guy might have 10 years on me. This is a marketing thing, right? And it's a mindset thing. Like, you know, like Karen was just saying, people ask her, how does she find out prices? Okay, if you really wanted to know something, you're going to Google it. You're going to call it. You're going you're gonna to be so driven to get it that you're going to find it some way or another. That's a mindset thing. When you shut yourself down and you say, but I don't know how to do it. And then you kind of stop and you're like kind of stuck forever. That's a mindset thing. Dig deep, figure out what's going on with you. Why do you think you're not entitled to this win? Why do you think you're not a business person? Why do you think you can't know like it's some kind of special magic? It's not. You know, it's just about that drive. It's about it's about being that five-year-old kid whose mom said no cookies and then took the cookie jar and put it on top of the bookshelf. And next thing you know, you turn around and he's climbing the damn bookshelf because he's like, what? I don't know what no means yet. Let me get these cookies, right? He doesn't know. She doesn't know. She just knows what they want. And that if they look up high enough, somehow they're going to make their way up there, right? God, the universe, whatever has their back and they're getting up there and they're getting those cookies. And it's the same thing in business. And it separates the people who ultimately achieve success and those who don't. 
right? And so I love this conversation because so much of it, knowing your target market, a lot of people fail at this, meaning you, what you have to offer might be awesome. And it might be something that everybody has, like, like physical therapy is needed everywhere. You know, I have a client who's in digital marketing that's needed everywhere, but now where you market to matters, right? Like, so in physical therapy, since it's you, the therapist, it has to be the geographic location in which you are going to practice in. Same thing with real estate. I don't give a shit if you live in Manhattan, you're not wholesaling, you know, buildings in Manhattan. I mean, you are, but it's, it's a lot tougher of a practice. You might then go focus out in, you know, Nashville or North Carolina, Raleigh, right? Um, and then what you think about New York real estate makes no difference. You have to understand Raleigh real estate. What are the price points there? What, maybe people are looking for three twos there, but in New York, they're looking for just two ones, right? Like, you don't you, know your market, know your market, know the price points, know your market, know what the sale points are for you, why you're the, as you said, the flamingo in the sea of penguins, as I say, the purple cow, um, mm-hmm. you know, like find it. So I love this conversation because it's so much more than, you know, oh, I had Dr. Karen Litzy on and she's a physical therapist and I'm in the, 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 the physical therapy or, or healthcare arena. No, this is for everyone, everyone. So I, I love this conversation. Uh, Dr. Litzy, what would be one thing that you would like? Actually, forget that question. I want to ask you something else. Where can we find you next if we want to follow you? Absolutely. So uh, one place where you can find me is my website, which is karenlitzy.com. Very easy. Um, On that, you can, if you want to contact me, if you have questions, you can go to our contact form there. That's the easiest way to get in touch with me. Um, I'm also on Instagram at karenlitzy at on Twitter at Karen Litzy NYC and Clubhouse, which I'm loving. I don't know if you're on Clubhouse. I just got on. Um, and that's at Dr. Karen Litzy on Clubhouse. Uh, and on my website, you can find the links to all of uh, to all of that, except for Clubhouse, because I don't think there's a way to link that yet. Um, and also to the podcast, which you said uh, earlier, Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. That's also, you can find everything on karenlitzy.com. So very easy. Love it, love it. And we'll have all of that information posted in the description so you guys can easily find it, click on it, and reach out to Dr. Litzy. So thank you so much for your time here today. It's been informative, awesome. Um, and that's, that's it. That's our show. Thank you so much. <laughs> so that is it for this week. Thank you for joining me. And I hope that you enjoyed today's show. If so, don't forget to rate it. If you guys have a pressing question, feel free to tweet me at CS Thrive uh, or on Instagram at Thrive Tribe 3.14159. Again, I know that's a weird one. It's just pi. So it's three, it's Thrive underscore Tribe underscore 3.14159. Or of course you can join me in Facebook at my free group, which is Thrive Tribe Global. If you just search groups and you enter in Thrive Tribe Global, you should see us there um, and you can join it for free. Uh, I answer your questions in there, but if you guys send me a question through there, I will be sure to answer it here on this podcast. And as always, if you're ever interested in advertising on the show, please contact the Believe Network at Believe, B-L-E-A-V, at Believe.com. Thanks so much for joining me.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.